All right, now the pro recap is finished so I can get to the great questions you guys asked on my Instagram at 51VB. The first ones come from Micah Skinner. He has a few questions about the battles for positions on national teams this summer. He's mainly interested in the French outside position battle, the Polish outside position battle, and the Brazilian outside position battle. Okay, so first for French, Irvin Engapet obviously has a spot guaranteed locked in for the French national team. So that means we have one outside hitter spot between Thibaut Rossard, Julian Liniel, Kevin Tilly, Trevor Cleveno, and Yassine Luati. I do not envy Laurent Tilly for making a decision because there is a lot of really good talent among these outsides. I would say Rossard, Liniel, and Cleveno had the best seasons. Rossard and Liniel in the Polish league, both leading their teams, Rysovia and Jastrzewski Vigil, Cleveno in Milano in the Italian league, one of the league leaders in individual game MVPs, had a great season. Luati was a big part of Padova's playoff berth. Kevin Tilly, second place in China, then in Modena, as we discussed earlier this episode, didn't feature hugely for most of it, but in the last couple of games, have become a really important part of their team. So who do you go with? It's, it's tough. Tilly likely will be a part of the team, being the coach's son and everything. Oh man, Rosard, Liniel, Cleveno. I don't think Luati's at the same level as him, so we'll wipe him off too. Man, it'll be impossible to choose between those three. Likely, he won't have to at Nations League. Probably Engapet will not play. We'll see. Rosard and Liniel, probably one of them, will bow out of Nations League too. Maybe Liniel, he's a bit older. So you could see Rosard, Cleveno as the two starters during Nations League. But starting with the European Championships, it gets interesting. Personally, I think Thibaut Rosard is a great running mate to Irvin Enkapet. Similar player to Enkapet in a lot of ways, actually. Really good pipe attacker, really strong server. Maybe not as a good as a passer or defender as Enkapet. Maybe not as creative as Enkapet, but still provides a lot of really good offense. On a team, you know, they're not bad on offense, but maybe they struggle to hit those really hard balls that some of the other elite teams do. So I'm going to say Rosard could be any of those guys. Though. There is so much talent there. In Poland, you have Leon, Kubiak, Szalpuk, Szlifka, Bartosz Szwolek, Bartosz Bedorz, Tomasz Fornal, Piotr Lukasik. Tons of really, really good, talented players there. That was a short list for outside players for the Polish national team, by the way. All the guys that... Vidal Hainan is inviting to training camp. In Nations League, last year, Vidal Hainan used it as kind of a tryout. Didn't take it too, too seriously. We saw a lot of different lineups, a lot of different players from Poland. We'll probably see Kubiak maybe once or twice during Nations League. Nothing significant. Wilfrieda Leon not able to play during Nations League. He's able to join the Polish national team officially, I believe, right before the Olympic qualifiers on July 24th. So that leaves Shalpak, Shlifkuk, Bartosz Folek injured. Actually, Shalpak had a lot of injury issues during the season as well, so he might sit out a lot of Nations League. Alternatively, might want to use it to get back into shape. We'll see. So we'll see Bednorz having a great finish to the season with Modena. Shlifka on a really successful team, but gotten benched a few times late in the season, interestingly enough. I think Schlifka Bednorz will be the go-to starting pair at Volleyball Nations League. And then eventually it's going to be Leon and Kubiak. Those two guys are like the perfect outside pairing. 
complete offense defense even though both of them are good offensive players and good servers and good everything it's just incredibly talented duo definitely the best outside duo in the world so they're, they're going to be dangerous because kubiak can cover for a lot of leon's weaknesses as the oh2 and then our last outside pairing is a battle between douglas souza who really proved himself last year last summer in the brazilians second place finish at the world championships we have ricardo lucarelli missed most of last season and last summer with the brazilian national team because of a torn achilles a very serious injury especially for an explosive athlete like a volleyball player and then the last player that micah skinner is asking about is yoandri leal who's actually a cuban player who's played for the cuban team before who is going to become a naturalized Brazilian citizen to play for their volleyball team. He played in Santa Cruzero very recently for a number of years, and he will also be able to play for Brazil this summer as an outside hitter. But also, a couple players uh, Micah didn't mention, Mauricio Borges has been an important part of the Brazilian national team for the past few years, was part of their 2016 Olympic team, as well as the Nations League and World League and world championship rosters that have represented Brazil over the past few years, as well as, of course, Lipe Fontalas, who was a huge part of the world championship silver medal team. So all five of these guys are going to be contending for the two starting outside spots for Brazil. Brazil likely not going to have to resort to Victor Cardosa again this summer. Now they have a healthy lineup with an extra addition in Yoandri Leal. As for who's going to start... I think it's pretty matchup dependent. I think Lucarelli is going to get the starting nod almost no matter what. One of the best outsides in the world. He's bounced back from a devastating Achilles injury extremely well. Arguably the best player in the Brazilian Super League this year, playing for Tabate. As for who you put next to him, I think it depends on who you're playing. I think if you need extra firepower, Yoandri Leal is the obvious answer. I think he's by far the best offensive player and server out of these guys. But if you want a really good passer to be able to run that devastating Brazil first tempo offense really well, I think you have to think about putting Douglas Souza or Mauricio Borges in the lineup. Lipe, I'm not sure exactly where he fits into all this. I'm guessing he might be named for maybe not a Nations League roster, but maybe for like a World Cup roster or Olympic qualifier roster. He's just, you know, he's a veteran guy. Not a huge fan of his personally, but... He definitely knows how to get his team fired up, even if that means playing a little dirty. Anyway you slice it though, all three of these teams have an embarrassing amount of talent at the outside positions, and doesn't really matter which guys they go with in the end, I think, because all three of them will be in contention for medals at the World Cup and at the European Championships for France and Poland, and also at Nations League. Another question by Micah Skinner. Don't worry guys, I'll get to the rest of them pretty soon, and he asks... The Polish finals, what are your thoughts? Who's going to win? And who's going to get finals MVP? Well, I'm actually recording this after I watched the first game of the finals, so I guess that's kind of cheating. But I, I'm going to go with the prediction I had written down before the finals, I swear. I'm being honest here, guys. But that prediction was Zaksa Kedrzej and Kajle in four games with a Sam Deru MVP performance. The first part of that prediction is looking pretty solid with Zaksa. Man, that was a crazy game. I'll talk about it more in the pro recap on Monday, but what a, what a wild game between Zaxa and Oniko Versava. But Zaxa ended up winning barely in five. A couple close calls for them there. 
The Daru MVP, still a little questionable, a little more questionable than it was going into the series. Daru only hitting 12 for 38 with six attacking errors and five block shots. So maybe one of his worst performances of the season. But hey, there's still a lot of volleyball to play in this series. And it's not like anyone else on his team had an amazing game, except for the middles. Actually, the middles were pretty good. So maybe Biniak gets MVP. Actually, Biniak is definitely looking like an MVP at this point. And then some other tournament battles going on right now. The men's NCAA, the American College Finals. The playoffs are happening this weekend, I I believe they begin. And this year, there's two juggernauts playing. Almost everyone expects Long Beach State University to play Hawaii in the finals. They've already had a few epic matchups throughout the season. So they're head and shoulders above pretty much every other team in college volleyball, even in Canada. I think they're by far the two best teams. Absolutely full of future stars. Long Beach State having U.S. national team members TJ DeFalco and Kyle Ensing, as well as probably future USA national team players and pros Josh Tuaniga and Nick Amato. Whereas Hawaii has the Bulgarian hitting sensation opposite Radu Parapunov, who you might see a little bit in Nations League this year. And then Stein Van Tilburg, a Dutch outside hitter who will also may make an appearance in Nations League. Definitely going to have a good future pro career. They also have these two guys, the Worsley brothers, Joe Worsley and Gage Worsley. One's a setter, one's a libero, Joe Worsley. Right up there with one of the best setters in the country at only about six feet tall. Kind of reminds me of Tawny Udi a little bit. Great undersized setter. Has an unreal feel for the game. I mean, it helps being able to set Stein Van Tilburg and Rado Parapunov. But a lot of future pros in this matchup. But I think... Long Beach State is the better team. I think they will be able to win this final series. I think there's like a 90% chance that it is these two teams. It would just be very disappointing if someone got an upset because these it's going to be an epic matchup. Both these teams have been so fun to watch all season. Have Both have incredible fans, incredibly energetic crowds. They've already had two awesome five-set games a couple weeks ago, so really looking forward to it. But I'm saying LBSU is going to take this one. That's my official prediction. All right, we're done with Micah Skinner's questions. Thanks for those. Always entertaining to answer. A lot of interesting stuff to think about there. But now we have Gray Discourage asking, will Modena be champions with Matt Anderson joining the team? And I think the main thing that this depends on, on how good Modena is going to be, if they can keep Ivan Zaitsev. There's been a lot of rumors that Lube Chivitanova has been aggressively pursuing him after Svetin Sokolov had decided to move on to Zenit Kazan in Russia. Lube desperately seeking an opposite player. Zaitsev, one of the only guys available that is at the caliber that Lube Chivitanova wants, but also Modena, clearly a club with a lot of money to spend, a very prestigious club, also wants to hang on to him. I have a feeling he'll stay with Modena because the makeup of their team doesn't make any sense at all if he leaves. They already have all their foreign slots filled with the three Americans, Matt Anderson, Micah Christensen, and Max Holt, and then whatever outside player between Bar- Bartosz Bednorz, Kevin Tilly, and Tina Arnout they decide to roll with next year. So I think Zaitsev is going to stay, in which case Anderson is going to complement this team very well, especially adding a little more service power, a little more spiking power, both things that Modena has lacked a bit this season, although they have looked really good. Sunday's game 
Modena Perugia will decide who goes on to the finals. So Modena actually could have a pretty successful season already. But will they be champions with Matt Anderson? I think they have a pretty good chance. I mean, I think they were ridden off a little bit this year. They definitely struggled at points in the season. Seemed like a tier below Perugia, Lubici, Vitanova, and Trentino. As we've seen in the playoffs, they're, they're playing really well. I personally think they're going to get eliminated by Perugia tomorrow, but we'll have to see. We'll have to see. But I think Matt Anderson is going to be a huge addition to the team. I don't know if I'd put them as the favorites. I still think that might be Perugia or Lube Chivitanova, depending on if Lube gets a decent replacement for Sokolov. But they're definitely up there. The big four is going to be firmly way head and shoulders above the rest of the league next year, in my opinion. Andreas Schmid asks, what are the players' salaries in the Superliga? To be honest, I don't know the vast majority of players. The salary figures for players in the Superliga are often not released, interestingly enough. I think it happens more commonly in the Plus Liga and in some of the other leagues, but in the Superliga, they tend to be really tight-lipped about players' salaries for whatever reason. All I know is that the superstars making a very good living, the mid-tier players comfortable enough to get by, and then the lower-tier players need to think real hard about what they're going to do after they're done playing. Another salary-related question comes from Jordan Foote, and he asks, True or false, do middles deserve to be the lowest-paid positional players? It's an interesting question that I haven't really given too much thought to. As we know, the hierarchy tends to be opposites and outsides at the top of the salary hierarchy, and then setters, and then middles and liberos at the bottom. As for whether they deserve to be paid the least, I think it, it is an interesting thing to think about what is the value of a good middle blocker over an average middle blocker how much does a bad middle blocker take away from your team i think the really good middle blockers guys like mazurski robert landy simon sreko lizanach lucas Sackamp, that tier of players i think they're more than worth it i think if a middle is providing valuable attacking as a legitimate offensive option as well as being able to block and serve i think that's a guy you should be able to pay one of the higher salaries on your team I just don't think there are a ton of middles like that. There's a lot of guys who are mainly just blockers, as the positional name middle blocker would suggest. It's definitely the most important job as a middle. A lot of middles put in pretty weak float serves, so that's also an issue. All you really need, though, from a lot of middles, and this is like 90% of middles, you just need them to get out to the pins, read the attack as well as they can, and also put away a free ball first tempo offensive set which most most middles especially in the leagues that i talk about they can do those two skills pretty well so the extra value in middles comes from being able to hit more complicated sets faster sets being able to put a lot of service pressure on you see middles that can spin serve are valued a lot higher than float serving middles but also remember that middles only play half the amount of other players so realistically they only play in the front court so the amount of value they can provide is a little less i still think maybe they should generally be paid more than liberos though i do think having a really impactful middle can help your team especially if your middle is a very strong blocker i'm not hating on all the middles out there too extremely important position really difficult position to play i think people don't realize how hard it is to read the attackers read the setters especially at a high level of volleyball 
and how hard it is to just keep grinding, keep jumping on every single set, even though you don't get set the ball like 80% of the time, 90% of the time, to keep racing out to each pin, desperately trying to get a block touch, even though most of the time, 80-90%, you're not going to get that kill block. So definitely no disrespect to the middles out there. Don't know if I could play the position. I have tried it before, and it is a grind for sure. Nath Wong 5 asks, what is the pro team with the best dynamic and or team chemistry? So I actually managed to think of a few examples of teams I thought that seemed to get along really well, whether it was their play on the court or just some of the hijinks on Instagram and things like that. So the first one I'll mention is Lundberg in Germany, featuring a few Canadian and North American players in Rosetto, Cody Kessel, Tyler Kozlowski, and Adam Schreimer, and they played one of the best seasons in Lundberg history, played way above, I think, the expectations people had for them. They made it all the way to the Bundesliga semifinals with not really a lot of big names on their roster, where they did, fair enough, get swept by Friedrich Schaffen, but Friedrich Schaffen, one of the most renowned teams in German club volleyball with a lot of really good professional players, Vidal Heinen as the coach, been to the Champions League, most years for like the past 10 years so good on them for making it that far they really got along well with each other always seem to be having so so much fun on the court they all seem like really genuine friends who hung out after practice hung out in between games all that kind of stuff and i think that team chemistry really showed itself on the court on how well they played this year another team that i think had really good chemistry is oniko versava in the plus liga made it all the way to the finals, which they were the second place team in the regular season after Zaksakadzers and Kajle, but two of their best players getting injured in Bartosz Volek and Bartosz Kurek right before that semifinal series against Jastrzewski Vigil. But you saw their bench guys step up to the plate, Niko Penchev and Shawan Fernand Evans and Jan Novakovsky. They didn't feel pressured at all going into the game. They know they had the full support of their team. And one of the best moments of the season in all of volleyball for me was when they won in that fifth set against Shastrebshi Vagil, where Antoine Brizard, the setter, broke down crying. Piotr Lukashik and Shawan Vernon Evans just kind of crowded him. They were all just hugging it out, supporting each other. You know, not every team would react like that, especially in club volleyball, where they don't have the country affiliations to bring them together. So I think that's a team that's really tight and the great team chemistry helped them win the number of games they did this season. The third team I'm thinking of is Shoma in the French League. Recently made it onto the semifinals, had a really strong showing at Champions League where they actually gave Perugia a pretty good run for their money in the quarterfinals of the Champions League. Some great players on that team that I love watching. Blair Ban, the most underrated libero in the game, Canadian libero, really funny guy. They also had Martin Atanasov, a Bulgarian outside hitter, incredibly athletic, that you should all keep your eyes on. They had two Americans in Taylor Averill and Michael Seda, who did a really good job this year. I always loved working their games, working for the CV Champions League this summer. The photos and interviews they had coming out of Shomal were always really entertaining, really funny cast of characters, always didn't take themselves too seriously, but still played a lot of winning volleyball. I'm rooting for them to win the French championships. Going to be a tough sell against Tours, but if any team can do it, I think I think it's Shoma. 
Philip asks kind of an open-ended question about my thoughts on the German Bundesliga. We actually just had our first game of the Bundesliga finals between Friedrich Schaffen and Berlin Recycling Volleys. And I'm sorry, guys, it was a blowout. Friedrich Schaffen winning 25, 22, 25, 23, 25, 17. was huge in this game with 18 points, hitting 15 for 23, really efficient with only one error, but also getting one block and two aces in this one. Protopsaltis and Sossenheimer were also really good. Protopsaltis hitting 7 for 11, Sossenheimer 10 for 19. So it's really tough to win when those wing hitters are just absolutely ruthlessly efficient. Before the series started, I would have said Berlin had a better chance of winning. But after this game, uh, I don't see how they can do it. Couldn't really find offense from any of their players. Ben Patch struggled right away in this one. Kyle Russell did a little bit better as a substitute. But Samuel Tuia, Adam White, they couldn't really find anything on the outsides. It was tough. They have looked a lot better since Sergey Grankin came over from Russia to set for them. They looked pretty good in that semifinals matchup versus the Alpen Volleys beating them 3-1, to one, but it's going to be tough. It is a long series in the Bundesliga. They play a best of seven, so you have to win four games. So the series has only started. There's a lot of volleyball left to be played, but this is not a good indication of what's to come. However, Berlin is a lot better in their home stadium, so we'll see what ends up happening. Hopefully, Berlin at least takes one or two games off Friedrichshafen. So we get some interesting volleyball to watch. But overall, Bundesliga season was pretty interesting. Berlin, usually the complete dominant force with Friedrich Schaffen, usually coming in second place. But this year, a number of teams were at the top of the standings, including the Alpen Volleys. Lundberg was up there for a bit. Frankfurt is looking like it's going to be a strong contender in the future. I think the German League is getting stronger. I think every year they recruit better and better players. So I'm excited to follow it in the future it's great that they have sporttotal.tv where you can pretty much watch any games for free really increases access to the league and it's a lot of fun i've enjoyed the bundesliga this season a lot of canadian players playing too a lot of americans so fun to watch for us speaking of canadians jeff abc has a couple of questions about canadian players the first one he asks is how did shawan verdon evans do after kurek was injured right before the semi-final series against Jastrzemski Vigil. And I think he did about as well as you could expect. Kind of struggled a bit in the first couple of games, especially that second game where he only hit 3 for 14. Had a great match in the last one, though. Hit 15 for 27 and got two blocks. Actually did pretty well on the out-of-system stuff. Got a lot of nice tools. I think he's a lot improved since we've really seen him. We've only really seen him last play volleyball last summer at the world championships and even then he still wasn't at full capacity so i think he's learned a lot in poland i think he's improved a lot i think he filled in for kurek nicely actually got the start above machi muzai for most of that series which is a good indicator for him however today against zaxa he was pulled after the first set didn't really look that impressive hitting one for five machi muzai came in along with graham Vigras and Warsaw did not end up winning that set, so we'll see what Antigua decides to go with for the second game. Should be really interesting. His second question is, 
Dane and Gemma a better opposite or a middle. So Gemma has played middle pretty much his entire career, but with all the injuries going on on his college team, UCLA this season, he has actually made the move to play opposite for them, has done pretty well at the role. I mean, he's an extremely athletic, hard-hitting guy, so it makes sense that he would make a good opposite. And We've often seen middles make the transition to the opposite position pretty smoothly, but I think he should stay as a middle. I think what he brings to the middle position is a lot rarer than what he brings to the opposite position. I mean, there's a million high-flying, tall, strong opposites playing in volleyball right now, but the amount of the guys who can kind of replicate that from the middle and have the athleticism to hit around other really tall middle blockers is a very, very short list. I mean, basically just like Mazursky, Simon, and Lizanach. not saying Jim is on those guys' levels, but the kind of offensive weapon that he could become kind of reminds me of those guys and again I think that's really rare to find in the middle so I think he could provide more marginal value there as well Canada has a lot of really good opposites already Ryan Sclater and Shawan Vernon Evans are two young guys who are likely to be with the program for a long time especially Shawan I think having Jimma compete with him on the national team level it's not a good idea considering he's likely going to be the starter for the next decade so I would like to see Gemma continue to play middle, but we'll see if it even sticks with volleyball because there is a concern that he will focus on his music career instead. Which leads into the next uh, kind of continuation of this question is will Dan and Gemma play for Team Canada this summer? First of all, I hope he does. I think he's a really exciting, fun player to watch. I think that people watching him in Nations League will kind of be like, oh my goodness, where are you guys hiding this guy? Kind of like everyone's reaction to Jakub Kofanovsky a couple years ago. As for whether he'll make the team, I think this is the year that a lot of national team federations are pretty much just focused on Tokyo 2020. Obviously, we have to qualify for that first, but kind of putting the gears into motion towards finding the best roster for 2020. So I think there's going to be a lot of experimentation. I think Jimmo will get a chance at some point this summer on the men's A team, likely in the Nations League. Again, like I mentioned earlier, there is the concern that he will want to focus kind of more on music in the summer. By the way, his music is really good. He's a very talented producer at Kofi Kid on Spotify, if you want to check him out. I I do enjoy some of his songs, but really hard to balance a music and athletic career, although it can be done, as Shaquille O'Neal and Damian Lillard have showed us. But I think whether he makes a team, it comes down to him, I think, and Danny Demianko, because I think there will be an extra middle spot on the team with Daniel Jansen Van Doren likely being out for the summer with, I think it's a knee surgery that he's uh, had to perform. He had to leave Finland earlier this season. So we'll see. Obviously, Demianko had two really good seasons in Toulouse in the French League, actually, and a highly rated prospect himself being a U Sports MVP in the past, has a couple years of pro experience under his belt, So maybe if Glenn Hogue and the rest of Team Canada is looking towards 2020, maybe they'll pick a guy with more experience, even though maybe he doesn't have quite as much potential as Jimma. We'll see, though. The preliminary roster for Team Canada for Nations League should be released any day now, and I can almost assure you that Jimma will at least be on that version of the roster. Leo Paul Rousseau has a couple questions about setting and setters. His first one is, what is the difference 
between a top-tier setter and merely a good one. There are definitely a lot of things that separate, you know, the elite setters of the world like Gianelli and DeCeco and Bruno and TJ Sanders and Maruf and all those guys. But I would say mainly blocking, serving, adaptability, out-of-system sets, and where they can set a first tempo, first option from. And then the follow-up question to this is, who is the best setter in the world and why? So I don't think my setter rankings have changed that much since my best setters in volleyball video that I released last summer. And you can check that out on my YouTube channel, 5-1 Volleyball, if you want to see kind of a, a short video essay on who I think the best 10 setters in the world are. And I think the top five setters are just heads and shoulders above the rest of them. Benjamin Taniuti, Micah Christensen, Luciano DiCieco, Simone Gianelli, and Bruno, I think, are by far the best setters in the world. And actually, I think all of them are really good at one of the skills that I listed at earlier in this question. I think Gianelli is a really strong blocker. We've seen him by far lead the Italian Super League among setter blocking in the last few years. I think Benjamin Taniuti is the best out-of-system setter out of all these guys. It doesn't matter really where the pass is. You can get it to six, you can get it to position one, and it'll still fire off a really nice set to his outside hitters. I think Bruno is amazing in terms of where he can set the first option in offense from. He can be running full speed, dive to his knees, and still set like a perfect ball to Robert Landy Simon. He can be going way backwards, jump up in the air, and still set a pretty fast tempo to his right side hitter. I think he's really amazing at that, and you see that with Lube Civitanova's success. I think Luciano De Cecco is the most adaptable setter, the one with the best hands out of these guys. He can really make the most out of any situation. He can be in a really uncomfortable, tight spot. He can be running outside the court, still flick a great ball to position one, the C-ball hitter. He can bump set almost as well as he can overhand set. But I think the guy who combines all these traits really well is Micah Christensen. And also, I will say, Micah Christensen is probably the best athlete out of all these players. He's just a little faster, a little stronger, jumps a little higher, has a high contact point. So I think that puts him just a little bit above the rest of these guys in the top five. But honestly, you could really argue that any of these five guys are the best setter in the world. And I wouldn't disagree with you too much. All right, so I only have a few questions left. We'll probably do these a little faster than the earlier ones. Sevillinarinov, not sure how to pronounce that or say that, asks, what is the best player of all time? And I'm sorry, I'm not going to answer this in full because me and Louis Lett did discuss this a bit on the Freeball podcast that I recorded with him on Wednesday. Don't want to spoil that discussion too much. If you guys want to hear my full thoughts, listen to that. But I do think that the GOAT of our sport, the greatest of all time, is playing right now. So, And I think it's most likely to be either Maxim Mikhailov, the Russian opposite, or Wilfredo Leon, only 25 right now. And the amount of accolades he's racked up already is just unbelievable. And also, like, just from a pure eye test perspective, I think Wilfredo Leon's the best player I've ever watched. TRKR0524 asks, best laugh play that, that was the question just best laugh play so i assume he means funniest play and i will say that 
Last year, I believe it was in the Champions League, Sergei Savin of Lokomotiv Novosibirsk had this hilarious hip thrusting celebration where he like swung his hands through the air and hip thrusted like three times, like really, really aggressively towards the audience, was yelling while he was doing it. It was just not something you really see in North American sports. Like I think anyone doing that in the NBA would probably be like clowned on pretty hard, but oh man, was that unbelievably hilarious to see. I think I had to like leave the room because I was laughing so hard. Sergei Savin, a really fiery character. Yeah, I, I would say that was the funniest one. It was also a really funny one last year where Simone Anzani on Perugia went up for a middle hit and completely whiffed it but managed to accidentally tip it with his offhand. And Ivan Zaitsev like, couldn't believe what just happened and was just <laughs> cracking up at Simone Anzani like, during the match. Both really entertaining plays. We haven't had anything super, super funny this year, just the usual stuff. But if you want to see those two plays, you can probably scroll down on my Instagram at 51VB. I'm sure you'll find both of those highlights somewhere in there. Robert Luden asks, what brand of volleyball shoes? So I actually prefer wearing basketball shoes personally when I play volleyball, and I know a lot of professional players share the same sentiment. Right now I'm wearing Paul George's, which I find work really well. They're a really solid shoe, but they're also a little lighter than a lot of basketball shoes, which I prefer for volleyball, being kind of a faster, high-jumping player. But they also have really good cushioning, really comfortable to wear, good ankle support, all things that I want in a shoe. So yeah, I'm definitely a diehard basketball shoe for volleyball guy. But I do know there's other basketball shoes that people tend to recommend. I think Kobe's were really popular for a while. I've heard Damian Lillard and Kyrie Irving's shoe are pretty good for volleyball. So... I think r slash volleyball on Reddit often has some pretty good shoe discussions if you want to check that out. Finally, last question of this mailbag episode. Logan Mueller asks, roll a shot or tip? Tip all the way. I'm an undersized outside, so I'm often hitting up into blocks a lot of the time or trying to go around them. The tip is just so useful in situations like that. You can throw the ball off the block you can put it lightly over the block if the defenders in position one or position four are sleeping a bit too hard. As an undersized outside player, going against blockers often half a foot or more taller than me, I think having a really good tip game is essential to being effective. I think it could really throw people off if you have a really good tip game, because honestly, even at higher levels, not many players do. It's a really hard skill to master, but it's one of those things that can definitely take your game to the next level. Of course, I always appreciate a good off-speed roll shot that just floats right over the blockers. And obviously, in beach, roll shots extremely effective. But me being not too much of a beach player, haven't had the opportunity to practice it as much. I know a lot of players who play more beach than I do love to use roll shots. In my opinion, though, tipping is a lot more versatile. can do a lot more things with it, especially throwing the ball off the block Or if you have a really tight set near the antenna, just like flicking it off the blocker's outside hand, having it go block out. There's just so many things to do. So many ways to tip that I don't think you get with roll shots. Anyway, thanks for listening to another mailbag episode of the 5-1 Volleyball Podcast. I already talked about kind of the games going on this weekend yesterday. This is my fourth podcast of the week. I think that's a new record for me. Did Tuesday and Friday pro recaps. 
did the Wednesday episode with the Freeball Podcast and Louis Lett, and now a Saturday mailbag. So you guys are getting spoiled by all these podcasts. Tomorrow, though, Perugia versus Modena happening at 12 noon Eastern time, 6 p.m. Central European time. That's going to be a great match. Do or die. Game five. Always fun to watch. So I hope those of you who are interested in that are able to watch it. Rysport.it will be broadcasting it with a good VPN. If not, I hope you guys have a great weekend regardless.